Hey y'all, welcome back to the Study Faithfully podcast. My name is Sandy and I'll be your host. Now, if you don't know, we're going through the book of Matthew together. And last week we began our study by looking at the genealogy that Matthew presents in chapter one, verses one through 17. If you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and do that. I promise it'll bless you. But this week, we're going to continue by studying Matthew 1, verse 18, all the way up to Matthew 2, verse 12. Last week, we learned that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who the Jews were waiting for to save them. But here, we're going to learn about the miraculous birth of Jesus and some important implications that surround it. So I'm excited that you're listening. Lean in, and I pray that God will speak to us in a fresh way in Jesus' name. I'm going to begin by reading our key passages for today. First, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew 2 verses 1 to 12 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who had been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Based on what we just read, there are some things that stood out to me that I want to explore with you all today. So for our first passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, we're going to start off by finding out more about who Mary and Joseph were. We're going to talk about what it means for Jesus to be a child of the Holy Spirit and why that is important. And then we're going to talk about the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus's birth story fulfills. And for our second passage of scripture from Matthew 2 verse 1 to 12, we're going to learn about why Jesus was born in Bethlehem, why the wise men had come to visit him, and why Jesus was referred to as the king of the Jews. Now in our first section, we learned that Jesus's earthly parents were Mary and Joseph, According to scripture, we don't know much about them, but their stories can be found in both Matthew's and Luke's gospel accounts. We know that they were both from Nazareth, 
Nazareth was a small village in the lower part of Galilee, which was in Israel. Mary was a young virgin woman, and Joseph was a carpenter from the line of David. We also know that they were betrothed, or what we would consider to be engaged in our modern times. The betrothal process usually involved three steps. The first step involved two families agreeing to the union of a young man and a woman. And then the second step would be to make a public announcement of the engagement and make arrangements to be officially married. And the last step would be to actually get married and move in together. But the main difference is that during the second step, though they weren't officially married yet, they were still considered husband and wife. So if an affair occurred during that time, it was considered adultery and that spouse would be subject to death or divorce according to the Jewish law. Scripture says before they had came together, or in other words, while she was still a virgin, she was found to be with the child of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph had decided in his heart that he wanted to divorce Mary, but he wanted to do it quietly. This is important to know because it says something about Joseph's character. If people would have known that he was not the biological father of Jesus, then it would have caused social stigma on them both. Technically, he had the right to publicly divorce Mary or even have her stoned to death. But scripture tells us that an angel appeared to him in a dream and let him know that the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit and it was okay to marry her. And we know that Joseph did take heed to that word and went ahead and followed through with the marriage arrangements. This angel we know to be Gabriel, according to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. Now, if you don't know, angels are pretty much spirits that God created to serve or minister to his people, according to Hebrews chapter one, verse seven. Throughout scripture, we see them doing this in different ways, including delivering special messages to people such as Mary and Joseph. When we talk about the conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, this is a critical piece of information that we have to pay attention to. Now, let's be honest, to say that a child is conceived by the Holy Spirit is super crazy, right? Most of us, if we heard that, we would have disregarded what the angel revealed to us because it just plainly doesn't make sense to our natural minds. But Mary's conception was supernatural. This is what we call the virgin birth. Luke chapter 1 gives us a better glimpse of what this means. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 35 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how would this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the virgin birth confirms Jesus as both human and divine. He is ultimately God. They were instructed to name the child Jesus or Jesus in Greek. It means Jehovah is salvation. Interestingly, in this study, I found out that this was the name that Jewish people would give to their sons as kind of a prophetic sign of hope that God would eventually send a Messiah to save them from the oppression that they were facing. But the angel Gabriel specifically states that he would save the people from their sins, something that only God could do. This was repeatedly prophesied about in the Old Testament. Also, Matthew draws on the prophecy in Isaiah 7:14, where we're told that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Jesus came in flesh to dwell amongst us. He lived for about 33 years. And I can only imagine what it had been like to be in the presence of God in the flesh. But today, he's still with us, just in spirit. He's still alive and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph obeyed God's instruction and eventually takes Mary to be his wife. And then Jesus is born. And that concludes Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. Now we're going to move on to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. This section naturally follows what we just talked about previously. The first two verses pretty much summarize what this entire passage is about. Matthew 2 verses 1 to 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now first thing you'll notice is that it says Jesus is in Bethlehem and not in Nazareth where he was conceived. More insight about that can be found in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 2 verse 1 to 7 says, At that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem and Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So basically, Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem because of a census. Bethlehem was about five miles south of Jerusalem, and both of these towns were in Judea, which was located on the south side of Israel. This location is significant because, again, this was prophesied about Jesus' birth in the Old Testament. It said that he would be born in Bethlehem, as stated in Micah 5.2. This was also the city where King David was from, and we know that God promised David that his kingly throne would reign forever. Jesus is from the line of David through the tribe of Judah. King Herod ruled in Israel during the time of Jesus' birth, and he was appointed king under Roman authority, and they referred to him as the king of the Jews. He ruled from 37 BC to 4 BC. Though he was cruel in many ways, the Jews favored him because he set up building programs and was the one to ultimately restore the temple in Jerusalem, where many of the Jewish festivals were held. After Jesus' birth, some wise men had traveled to Jerusalem to inquire about him, but notice that they referred to Jesus as the king of the Jews. And because they had seen his star, they had come to worship him. We don't know much about these wise men, but theologians believe that they were either Jews who stayed in Babylon after the exile or astrologers who studied the Old Testament manuscripts so they knew about the prophecy about a star coming out of Jacob in Numbers 24 verse 17. Either way, they traveled about a thousand miles from the east to go see Jesus and worship him, which could have taken a few weeks long. When Herod heard about this, it says that he and all of Jerusalem became deeply disturbed. The reason is because if Jesus is the true king of the Jews, it means that Herod could be overthrown and he felt threatened because he knew that the Jews were waiting for the promised Messiah. From verses 4 to 8, Herod feels so threatened by the news of Jesus' birth that he calls meetings with the leading priests and religious teachers and then eventually with the wise men to figure out where Jesus was located. He claimed that it was to go and worship him, but really it was so that he could kill Jesus. And we'll look at that next week. So the wise men leave and they begin to follow the star, referred to as the Star of David, until they had come to where Jesus was. Now in nativity movies or plays, they always portray these wise men as seeing Jesus right after he's born in the manger. 
But theologians believe that these wise men went to go see him when Jesus was already one to two years old, because when they went to go see Jesus, he was living in a house instead. Verse 12 says that these wise men fell down and worshiped. It is believed that each of these wise men represented different Gentile nations throughout the land, which signifies again that Jesus came to save all people, not just the Jewish people. They also gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. To say that they fell down means that they laid in a prostrate position. In the Bible, it is the ultimate gesture of submission and worship. And the gifts presented to Jesus were appropriate to worship him for who he was. Gold was the most expensive metal of the day and was used as currency. Pure frankincense was ordered by God to be used for rituals performed in the Old Testament within the tabernacle and temple. And myrrh was a spice used as anointing oil. And then lastly, in verse 13, we see that God ultimately instructs the wise men not to return to Herod, but to go back home using another route. This ends this passage of scripture. So what does this all mean for us today? First, I want to point out that Jesus's conception pretty much gives us a blueprint of what we can expect from him following that moment. Some believe that Jesus was just a good man or that he was just a prophet. But no, Jesus is God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is both human and divine. This is something we as believers must firmly believe because, frankly, it defines our Christian faith. If Jesus isn't God, then our entire belief system pretty much falls apart. So I want us to check what it is that we really believe about Jesus. As Jesus once asked his disciples, but who do you say I am? We all have to answer that question for ourselves at some point. Second, the obedience of Joseph is commendable. Joseph, on one hand, despite the critique and stigma that he would face marrying someone who was pregnant before they got married, still decided to follow God's instruction to get married anyways. According to Jewish law, he had every right to decide to divorce Mary or have her stoned. But he took heed to what the angel Gabriel had revealed to him and took Mary as his wife. So we have to understand that many of the things God does doesn't necessarily make sense to us. But as the scriptures say, obedience is better than sacrifice. No matter how it may look to the outside world, obedience to God is and always should be our primary concern. We live to please God, not people. And lastly, the wise men travel for weeks to worship the one true king, Jesus. And they not only travel far, but they worship in the correct posture and even offered gifts. This tells us that they had a true understanding of who he was. We have to check our posture towards Jesus. Do our actions truly reflect the fact that Jesus is king in our lives? What's our worship looking like? What's our heart posture before him? These are things that we have to consider. So my overall prayer for us is that we would truly get to know God for ourselves so that we could grow to love him so much that we would be willing and quick to obey anything he tells us to do. And not only that, but our lives and actions would reflect our worship towards him. We worship him in spirit and in truth. And that marks the end of our study for this week. I pray that you guys enjoyed that and that you were able to take away something valuable from it. Of course, if you have any questions or prayer requests, you can always contact us on social media and you can email us at hello at But I hope you have an amazing week and thank you for tuning in once again.